Welcome back to the Community Christian Church Podcast. This week, we're joined by Community Pastor Ted Canaris for week two in our series, The Book of Philippians. Community is one church in four expressions, meeting online, in person, and in small groups around the globe. Learn more and plan your visit at communitychristian.org. For better or worse, the internet has made it possible for just about anyone to become famous. An estimated 3.4 billion people, yes, billion with a B, engage on social media platforms. That means about 45% of the world's population is on social media, which also means that becoming famous online is an opportunity to influence people all around the world. In fact, there's a new word to describe people who are seeking out this kind of modern fame. They're called influencers. And there are really four different levels or categories of influencers. First, there's nano-influencers who have fewer than a 1,000 followers, but followers who are committed. Micro-influencers who are regular people but have some kind of specialized knowledge user usually, and their following is between a 1,000 and 40,000 people. Then there's macro influencers who have 40,000 to a million followers. And finally, there are mega influencers who have over a million followers. Now, if you're wondering how many influencers there are on social media, one source estimates that there could be as many as 37 million influencers. So today, if you want to become famous, you, you no longer need to spend decades building a career. You really just need an internet connection and a little bit of luck. Our culture places an incredibly high value on being an influencer. And many people see it as the path to significance in their lives. A few years ago, a New York Times columnist named David Brooks wrote that fame used to be a low value, but now fame is the second most desired thing in all young people. And they did a study and they asked, would you rather be president of Harvard University or Justin Bieber's personal assistant? And believe it or not, by three to one, people would rather be Bieber's personal assistant. Brian Robbins, whose company creates YouTube channels for teens and tweens, told The New Yorker, when you speak to kids, the number one thing that they want is to be famous. And they don't even know what for. So what about you? Does anybody here maybe want to be Justin Bieber's assistant? I mean, these realities in our world they really raise important questions about how we think about fame and how we think about influence. Why would you want to be famous? Is it noble to seek after fame and influence? And if you have influence, what's the responsible use of it? And most importantly for us today, as followers of Jesus, where are we supposed to shine the spotlight? So let's hold on to these questions as we engage in week two of our series on the book of Philippians. We're walking through a letter that the Apostle Paul wrote to a church that he started in the city of Philippi. So if you have your Bibles or you want to follow along with me on the Bible app, turn to the book of Philippians. It's in the New Testament right after Galatians and Ephesians and right before Colossians and Thessalonians. Paul here is actually writing his letter from prison. And he's writing it to thank people for the gifts that they had sent to take care of him. And he makes use of this sort of letter-writing occasion to encourage them to stand firm in their allegiance to Jesus. You see, as we introduced last week, Philippi was a Roman colony, which means that the citizens of Philippi were expected to adopt the customs and the values and the practices 
of the Roman Empire. They were supposed to give their allegiance to Caesar, and they were supposed to adhere to the Roman way of life. So in this letter to this church in Philippi, Paul is reminding the Christ followers there that their allegiance is supposed to be to Jesus, and they're called to follow him in his kingdom way and not the Roman way. And today we're picking up this letter in chapter 2, which is really sort of like the centerpiece of this entire letter. Today's passage is a jam-packed theological poem all about Jesus, about his nature and about his work. This passage really tells us who Jesus is. So let's start in chapter 2, verse 6. Paul starts his description of Jesus this way. Who being in very nature God. Paul says that Jesus was in nature God. In other words, Jesus is divine. He always was divine and he didn't stop being divine when he was born into this world. And Paul wasn't the only New Testament writer to make this claim. John in his gospel declares this. He says, in the beginning was the word, speaking of Jesus. And he said, the word was with God and the word, get this, was God. The point that both Paul and John are making is that Jesus, the Word, was not just an amazing guy or an influential religious teacher. He is God. He has always existed as God, and he has always been at work in the world. So continuing in our poem, Paul writes that Jesus did not consider this equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. What he means here is that Jesus didn't cling to the advantages of being God while being a human. He didn't pretend to be human while secretly using his divinity or his powers to rule over others or to get ahead in life or even to procure fame or fortune, as you might imagine. Rather, he goes on to say, he made himself nothing. Nothing. In the original Greek, it literally says that he emptied himself. Now, that doesn't mean he stopped being divine. In the second letter to the Corinthians, Paul will later say that God was in Jesus reconciling the world to himself on the cross. So what he means here is that by making himself nothing, is that Jesus set aside the advantages of being God, not only to be among us, but to become like us, even though in his essence he is God. And he did this emptying by, by taking on the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. Jesus not only became human, he took the humble position as a servant. And it continues. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. On top of all that, Jesus further humbled and shamed, was further humbled and shamed by being crucified on a cross. And he did all of that for you, for me, for us. You see, on the cross, Jesus took on himself all our guilt and our shame. On the cross, he bore all the weight of our failures. He carried the consequences for how we have made a mess of our lives in this world. And in the end, he even beat death itself through his victorious resurrection. Jesus gave his life and rose from the dead so that we could be forgiven, so that we could receive a new life free from the destructive cycles of sin and death. And as a result, 
It's Jesus alone who offers us a way to be holistically and eternally reconciled to God and to one another. It's Jesus alone who offers us life and life to the full. See, these few just power-packed words are really a clear window into the character of God. This is who Jesus is, the God of self-giving love. This is the Jesus we're invited to know. This is the Jesus that we're invited to be into a relationship with. And this is also the Jesus that we're invited to follow. In fact, if we back up a little bit in our passage, we discover that the the whole reason Paul shares this poem about Jesus is to encourage us and the church in Philippi to adopt the mindset of Christ ourselves. So let's back up to the verse that really introduces the poem. Verse 5, he says this, In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. Paul presents this beautiful image of Jesus that we find in this poem because he wants the Philippians and us to realize that Jesus is the example that we're to follow. As we were writing this message, our founding pastor Dave shared a story that I think illustrates this really well. Now, Dave is a great pastor and leader, but what you may not know is that he is a notoriously terrible cook. I mean, really bad. How bad? Well, he's the kind of cook who uses the smoke alarm as his cooking timer and his two favorite recipes, well, meatloaf and apple pie. But unfortunately, he says that sometimes you can't tell the difference. He is that bad. But a few years ago, he and his wife, Sue, took a cooking class from an amazing chef who made them an incredible and complex Italian meal. And he said that it was an amazing meal. It was a stacked appetizer of little stacked zucchini and then traditional Tuscan pasta with chicken. And then for dessert, the best tiramisu that he'd ever had. He said it was so good. But what's even more impressive than what the chef made was that he could teach someone like Dave how to make food just like him. Now Dave can make terrible meatloaf, dry apple pie, and incredible stacked zucchini, perfect Tuscan pasta, and light and fluffy tiramisu. That's sort of like what Jesus does for us. He not only gives us a glimpse at what genuine humility looks like, but he shows us how you and I can be people who genuinely live humble lives just like him. And here's the heart of what I want us to understand today from this passage in Philippians. We are, through following the humble example of Jesus, to pursue fame. But there's a catch. It's not about becoming famous ourselves. In Jesus, we see someone who had all the privilege, all the status, all the honor anyone could ever dream to have, but he put that all aside and became a servant, giving himself for us through his life, through his death, and and through his resurrection. And as Paul continues this power-packed poem, he tells us that because of Jesus's humble sacrifice, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Jesus is exalted to the highest place, 
above all other names, above Caesar, above the president of the United States, above Justin Bieber, above any social media influencer, even above Beyonce. Jesus is king. Jesus is king of all kings of all time. And what Paul wants us to understand is that the path to lasting significance is not found in pursuing our own fame. It's in pursuing his fame. It's in living humble lives that make Jesus famous. This is the call on our lives to make Jesus famous. So what would it take for us as a church community to make Jesus famous? What does it look like to follow his example of humility? Well, I think this is the most helpful statement that I have heard for understanding humility. And it's a great summary of what we see here in Jesus. And it goes like this. True humility is not thinking less of yourself. It's thinking of yourself less. And for our purposes today, I want to break that statement down into three ways that we can make Jesus famous. So first, we don't think less of ourselves. First, we need to understand exactly what Christ-like humility is. Because the kind of humility that Jesus modeled was not a, a doormat humility, where you always feel maybe slightly insecure, you never speak your mind, and you have no boundaries. That is not what we're talking about here. As I was reading how Paul described Jesus being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself. A recent news story came to mind. I don't know if you heard about this, but a family in New Haven, Connecticut had a yard sale and it was filled with all the usual junk, old books, old furniture, and old dishes. But one of those old dishes that they sold for $35 turned out to be a 15th century Chinese artifact. And the person who bought it took it to an antique expert who told them that this garage sale dish was worth somewhere between $300 and $500,000. That dish may have been collecting dust in a garage sale, but it was still incredibly valuable. And in another one of his letters, the Apostle Paul reminds us of this. He says, for we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. Christ-like humility does not require that you value yourself less than others. In fact, quite the opposite. When we are humble the way Jesus was humble, it requires that we do not think less of ourselves. One of the greatest Christian thinkers of the 20th century explained it well. He says, do not imagine that if you meet a really humble man, he will be what most people call humble nowadays. He will not be a sort of greasy, smarmy person who is always telling you that, of course, he is nobody. Probably all you will think about him is that he seemed cheerful, intelligent chap who took a real interest in what you said to him. And if you do dislike him, it will be because you feel a little envious of anyone who seems to enjoy life so easily. If we're going to help make Jesus famous, we don't need to think less of ourselves. We do need to think of others more. Out of that proper understanding of Christ-like humility, the second way that we make Jesus famous is to think of others more. 
The big idea Paul is trying to drive home in Philippians 2 is that to imitate Jesus is to be preoccupied with the needs and the concerns of others. He goes on to say this, do not do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. How do we look out for the interests of others? How do we think of others more? I know it can seem sort of overwhelming at first to think of doing all of this, but all we need to do is simply do for others what we would like them to do for us. I like it when other people include me. Don't you like to be included or invited? Well, then include people. Invite people into your life. I like it when other people affirm me. How about you? Do you like encouraging words? Think probably so. Then affirm people, encourage them, and catch them doing it right. I like it when other people give me gifts. That's kind of cool, right? Then be generous. Give someone a gift when it's not their birthday or a holiday. I like it when other people are kind to me. Don't you? Then do something kind for someone else. Maybe there's something that you can do today. I I like it when other people pray for me. It's meaningful, isn't it? Then pray for others and, and tell them that you're praying for them. If we become a community of people who don't think less of ourselves, but do think more of others, here's what will begin to happen. People will notice. Our neighbors will notice. This community will notice. They will see it in how we love our families. They will see it in how we love each other. And they will see it in how we love them. They will notice that we are a community that just loves to love. And I guarantee the watching world will notice and be curious about a community of people like that. And when the world notices, here's what we do. We give God all the credit. When someone asks, why are you doing that? We simply say, I I couldn't do it on my own. I, I don't have it in me. The love that I have is a love that I got from God. We just explain it simply the way that the Bible does. In 1 John 1, 4, it says, we love because he first loved us. When someone asks, why did you include that person? Well, because Jesus does. Why are you encouraging me? Well, because Jesus is. Why are you being generous? Well, because Jesus is generous. Following Jesus' example is actually our strategy for making Jesus famous. We don't think less of ourselves. We do think more of others. And then we give God all the credit. So here's what we're going to do together in our pursuit of making Jesus famous. We're going to go into training. And that's what this U plus vision here at Community is all about. It's about challenging one another to follow Jesus and to flourish as his disciples. And so all throughout this series, we're digging into the book of Philippians together for that purpose. And I want to invite you to do this. I want to invite you to read Philippians with us every day via the community daily. And I want you to discuss it with a group of Christ followers or a friend, your small group. And this is how we will help one another have the same mindset as Jesus in our relationships with one another. We embrace God's word and live it out with other Christ followers who are striving together to find that you plus life. This week, We're going to dig more into the second chapter of Philippians so that together we can learn to follow Jesus' example of humility. 
when a community of people begin to live out this Christ-like humility, what might happen? Well, Paul says, then you will shine among them like stars in the sky. Paul is saying that this kind of humility will fly in the face of the fervor for fame that we see in 2022. When a community of people focuses on others rather than themselves, it will show our generation a better way than the all-consuming interest in fame or fortune. We will shine among them like stars and our spotlight will shine on the one whose name is above all names, Jesus. Let's together make Jesus famous. We hope you were encouraged and challenged by today's message. Our mission is to help you find your way back to God. And by listening today, you've already taken your first step. And we'd love to help you take a next step in your relationship with God, the church, and the world. It's how we're all embracing the flourishing life that Jesus talks about, a life we call U+. Visit communitychristian.org to take a next step, learn more, give generously, and plan your visit. We hope to see you on a Sunday soon.